do it. All right. Uh, welcome back to the Shuttlecock Podcast. My name is Aaron Rhodes, and the podcast is sponsored by the Vinyl Underground at 7th Heaven, offering new and used vinyl at 76th and Troost. This week on the show, we have none other than Jonathan Brokaw, a.k.a. Uh, JB. What's up? Hey, how's it going? Pretty good. Cool. Uh, so... Uh, you live in this house with me. I do. Uh, no the, bias. The good old uh, come and go. Yeah, no. Yeah. We, I, we, I just happened to choose you this yeah. week and not because um, you live in the room next to mine. And right. It was very easy. Well, we, we do barely see, see each other either because I'm, I'm very antisocial. So. But, I mean, it's not, it's not you. It's a me thing. It's a... I like I'm a lone wolf, you know. That's that's wolf. good. That's good to know. I get I get hurt sometimes. Oh, like, I'll give you hugs when every time I see you from now on. So it's, oh, it's that's exciting. <laughs> uh, that's that's yeah. how you start a podcast. Yeah, <laughs> with with love. Uh, so we, yeah, we yeah we live a come and go. It's a good house. No, oh, yeah. How how long have you been living here? Uh, I moved here March 2015. Um, I was living with my my synth player in an apartment off of uh, Roanoke like 41st in Roanoke, and uh, moved here with my girlfriend at the time, and, and moved here, uh, there was five of us, it was uh, Mackenzie Colby, and Ashley Pratt, and Sybil Watson, and Sam Squarek, and I, and uh, so Mackenzie actually was the first one to have the idea of having some parties reminiscent of when this place used to be Asphalt Castle, and you know, but a little bit more of the tame hipster side of things, and then I was—I took it to the extreme. I was like, let's just have more shows, and that just became the name for come and go. Also came from Kenzie. I got to give credit where credit's due. She came up with the name because mm. uh, there's a garage door, or not a garage door, a uh, gas station door on the front porch. So <laughs> there you go. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but yeah, as you mentioned, it used to be called uh, Asshole Castle yeah. when it was like. Like I prom- primarily like a hardcore and yeah. punk house. I don't remember traditional punk house. Of, who yeah. all lived here back then? I know Brett Ray lived here yeah, for a minute. He like, I think he set a couch on fire and threw it out the window. Is what lore has I've heard from lore. Yeah, there's many tales. Of- yeah, <laughs> I know that. I think Andrew Perry lived here. Mm. Um, and uh, God, who the who? I don't know. I, I want to say like. I'm not. I'm not gonna get it mm-hmm. right. But yeah, that's back when uh, the Truce DIY Fest was happening. Yeah. Also, so yeah. Dark Ages and like Battle Royale yeah. played here. And then I remember there's like a bunch of touring bands that I remember seeing Facebook events of, but I didn't go to those shows. I, I'm pretty sure Code Orange played here once when they were Weird. Code Orange kids. Weird. Which I would have been so excited to see. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I, I wish I wish I I knew more, but I. Am, yeah, I, I, I know you don't care about yeah. that. No, you don't have to Damn pretend to, to care about yeah, that. Okay. But, and I think also, like, Wrong Answer and Agitator played here, too. Another couple tough, hardcore bands. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, what what bands have all played here during the, the come-and-go era? Uh, we had a giant dog play here once. <laughs> uh, mostly, actually, a lot of local bands, because a lot of the big shows that we had were, like... Um, uh, just like the Halloween parties that we had here. So um, basically every local band you could think of that was even kind of remotely related to the garage rock stuff going on. If I try to like go back on that inventory, my mind is Swiss cheese, so it's not, I'm not going to be able to like pick, the, pick it all out. Uh, I know um, Lemonade's played here, so that's another band that's oh, not Oh, yeah, Lemonade and Bib played yeah, here. Yeah, that's like, right. Like that was like one of the last shows really before the house kind of slowed down for a minute. Yeah. So. Because I, I, what ended up happening is I got back from tour with Little Tuffies because I wasn't even here for that show and it was still kind of a mess and I'm, I'm an asshole and I was like, no, I don't want to have any more fucking shows. If no one's going to help clean up and I'm just going to end up being the only person to do this, I'm, I, I'm putting my foot down. So, yeah. No, but yeah, and uh, flashback to like a month or two ago, we had the Shuttlecock show here yeah and um that was with devil's den and solomon lots of fun at that show yeah and there wasn't even that big of a mess but like seth had to tell me to like stop cleaning up like the night of the show he's like hey yeah just chill out (laughs) it's better it is better to just let it all go not think about it and then just enjoy it the next or not enjoy the next day obviously the next day it sucks Uh, but just slowly clean up the week after but yeah you've got like a couple shows coming up right yeah it'll be fun uh yeah make sure you're looking out we got crystal and nightcrawlers playing here on december 16th for the shellcock party and then there's like another hardcore show that'll be here around then 
But yeah. Um, oh, also, um, some more come and go history. Oh, this yeah. is, you, you filmed uh, Casey DIY Yoda here. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, the web show. Uh, what, what, what does that stand for? Uh, it stands for Kansas City. Do it yourself. You only die alone. And what a name. The name the name for it came from uh, my friend Carrie. Carrie Thomas, who's in Phantom Head, mm-hmm. uh, she actually helped write the theme song way back in the day when I it was like a, I tried doing it as a live stream thing in, in the apartment I lived in with Zach. It was a complete disaster, but at least I got the name out of it and the theme song from Carrie. So, um, yeah, it's like, you know, a twist on YOLO, which everyone was saying at the time, because this is like 2012, 2013, I guess. And it was like, you only die alone because it's, tr- it's true. You know, you can do it yourself. All the way to the grave, and that's that's a comforting thought. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, what, what what were some of like the bits and the guests that you had on that show? Uh, we had the last show. We had Shy Boys. We also had the Whiffs. Um, we had Alice on there. Mm-hmm. Um, the Drippies, a, I think. Yeah, Drippies. Okay. Yeah, Drippies were the first show. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and, and, um, then, and that recording turned into like their live tapes. So yeah, that was cool. Yeah, I didn't know that. That's awesome. <laughs> cool. Oh, yeah, yeah but that's good. There's some no, good No, that stuff. was actually like some of the best. That, that, those are the best recordings that band has besides Damn. like the ones they made for the seven inch that they didn't put out, which yeah. they ended up putting on tape. But I haven't listened to it yet uh, since I my tape player broke. Yeah. Well, Someone sent me a tape player. S- they got yeah. some use out of it because I'm like, I, those videos, I can't go back and watch them. They're very cringy. I mean, we were intentionally making it kind of campy because we knew there was no way we were going to make it seem... You know, we were, there's no way we were going to shoot above our, our station, above our budget mm. with any of that stuff. So we were just like, let's just go full camp with it. And now, though, it's it just it's painful to watch and look back on. No, so, you'll, but, you'll have fun watching it in yeah. like a couple more years, yeah. I think. I got to get some more time, some distance between it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, um, so I guess to backtrack a little bit, what what was your first introduction to like Rock and roll music. <laughs> what were your, your favorite bands? Like my first, first introduction to rock yeah, and roll music? Like my, what, when did you like latch on to... My dad had like a bunch... Well, even before that, my dad would, like, would always just like have the oldie station on when I was a kid. So like all the British Invasion bands and, and bands I listened to when I was a kid just by proxy. And then he also had like some records that were like... He had like a bunch of Queens records and stuff like that because he was like I don't know he just had, he's not like a rock and roll dad though because like I have a lot of friends who like that's how they got into rock and roll they, mm. they have like fam- the parents are like or they're part of their family like an uncle or something like turned them onto it my dad didn't like really turn me onto it I, it was just there and I like you know suck into it but I also like didn't really get into kind of like underground rock and roll or the or even the stuff that I like now really until like the past ten fifteen years so that's Less of like a coming of age moment and more of just like osmosis type thing. So yeah, mm. I'm a sponge more than a human being, I guess. So. What what were some of the first like underground or like DIY bands that you got into? <sighs> Fuck, that's a hard one. Um, I think the ones that kind of set me on the track where I've been in the past ten years were a lot of the like 2000s noise rock stuff. So like Arab on Radar and. Um, you know, pre or uh, AIDS Wolf or something like that, and kind of go a little bit further back to like Brainiac and and some of that like you know art punk stuff from the '90s, Six Finger Satellite crap like that. So stuff that's like a little like I don't know how you'd put it, annoying. <laughs> <laughs> were, but, were those 2000s bands ones that you you were like seeing coming through town, or you just found them on the internet? Or I found friends? them through Dan actually, because mm. what it was is I, I Dan Ohm. Yes, yeah. Dan Dan Ohm. I I, pl- I played like folk music for a while, and before that, like that was as a uh, brother bird. That was a brother bird. Good God, how do you fucking know about uh, that? The internet oh, knows everything, JB. <laughs> So yeah, there was this thing called Brother Bird. Before, like, I mean, I I listened to rock and roll in high school, kind of. I was definitely like very confused. I mean, I used to be homeschooled. Then I was in high school and didn't know what the fuck I was doing. But then I kind of like thought I was finding myself and started making folk music like immediately after high school. And like, it was just I don't know, I don't know. And then like all this shit happened where my life kind of crumbled. I like my first real girlfriend broke up with me and I like emotionally spiraled. This is a lot of information. I don't really, oh, but I don't fucking care anymore. So uh, I emotionally spiraled 
uh, and kind of just wanted to change. And I started hanging out with Dan Ohm a lot and just smoking a lot of weed and listening to these albums and uh, just being like, holy shit, there's so much you can do with a guitar sound besides just the same three chords. And not, you know, even with the same three chords, you can do more sound than just like plucking away on an acoustic guitar. And it kind of just opened up my my mind to the idea that I, I could actually get loud and abrasive and kind of it's just it feels good mm. so yeah it's it's i mean and i think it's always nice you know meeting other people who uh who uh rock and roll has ruined their lives yeah it's, absolutely it's good shit it's, it's kind of a it's it, it's kind of validating in a way i was actually thinking that the other night every time i actually do get myself to crawl out of my room and go and hang out with people I, you know i went to dave stagecoach and there's like all the you know garage rockers who otherwise would be at blind tiger if that was still around mm. um and i and i just had a sense of belonging even though i didn't even you know talk to anyone for very long it was just kind of like you know what we're all fucked <laughs> and it's but it's kind of a good feeling to know that you're not fucked by yourself you know that there's other people who who have also decided that they don't they kind of reject the way that the mainstream culture works and want to make their own world and their own life in kind of the the, the decaying shell of this one. Oh, yeah. So, no, um, yeah, like, even, even, like, in recent weeks, I'm like, man, I have, like, a lot of kind of big plans and stuff, and then I'm, like, kind of stressed out by it, but then, like, even... Like, even after I'm done thinking about that, I'm like, oh, it's okay. Like, even if I don't succeed at all these big things I want to do, I have this community that will yep. still support me. Absolutely. And these great musicians and shows I can go to all the time yeah. and not go broke. Yeah. I, and that's something that has been kind of hard for me to, like, I'm, I'm a pretty inconsistent person emotionally, and a lot of it comes from issues that I have. And, like, this past week, you know, I, I blew up a little bit, flared up a little bit on social media and was kind of just, like, lashing out at the scene because I feel like, I'm, you know, being feeling like an outsider. But, like, uh, it really is does come down to that where there is there is just, like, you can always kind of rely on this place. You can always kind of rely on, on the community that's here. It is a, it's good. It's got a lot of positives to it. Um, yeah. Mm. Okay, that was not me fucking brown nosing to you, anyways. Because I'll tell you, I think you all are full of shit. (laughs) I'm really not. I don't. I don't know how to like voice any of this if I'm supposed to like direct it at anyone or just keep it like in a. a, I don't get interviewed very often, obviously. So let's go to the next question. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, um, more stuff that you might get upset at me for bringing up, but we can make it quick. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, Another early. A musical thing of yours. You were you were in a band called Demon Horse. Yeah, that was that was a punk band. <laughs> no, and it's cool because like yeah. I was you know I was doing some research yes. for the episode, and uh, Angelise, who's yes. moving in here, was yes. in that band with you. Yes, that's true. And yeah, what was uh, how that band get started? Um, it was actually just me and Dan sitting around listening mm-hmm. to those records. So that was like the first like actual band that yeah. you really started. It was just a two piece at first. It was just Dan and, and I um, just jamming at his parents' house in Olathe, and me like taking a guitar and making up a random tuning. I would I just fucking went through and just try to like make the strings sound right based on intervals I was just making up. I mean, I didn't even know what intervals were at the time, but I made a tuning for the guitar and started making up chords for it. And then Dan was was just really starting to uh, play drums, so it was kind of a chance for him to like practice playing drums. So we just fucked around for a while and then started kind of making loose structures for songs and then kind of just had like an improvisational aspect to it. Then we played like random shows at the Pistol or whatever, and then we met Angelise at the info shop. Uh, I think it was still called Crossroads Info Shop, but it was like right before it got called Mutiny. Um, uh, and we just met and started volunteering there, and just started hanging out with Angelise and became friends with her. And then she became the vocalist for Demon Horse. There was also like, there's none of the recordings for it, but well, there is a cassette. Isn't there? there is, there is. There's like, there's two cassettes, but one of them is the two piece, and one's with the three piece with Angelise doing vocals, but. We also had 
um, an old roommate of ours at this house in 3911 Central. Uh, his name was Mark, and he like played trumpet in the band. Yeah, I saw a picture of someone playing the trumpet. I think it yeah. was like one of Megan Carson's pictures. Yeah, yeah. it did. I'm like, I'm like, I had a trumpet player. <laughs> it did not last very long. We had, we we played a show, but he wasn't on the recordings. No. Yeah. Um, there was like a bit of a falling out too with him. Mm. He was uh, th- that's something I don't really want to get into too much. But mm. there was like a show that he played with us that someone came up afterwards and was just like, you know, you guys were great, but I really hated that trumpet player. <laughs> and then we were just like, all right, we'll just not have to play trumpet with us anymore, which is terrible. But um, you know, when you're young and impressionable, it's hard not to just be like, oh yeah, good point, and then just like be an asshole to someone like that. Uh, I, I so feel bad. I guess that's a good uh, tip. Like if there's a band. And something bothers you about that band, you should go up and tell them that because they'll change immediately. (laughs) Just immediately, like that. I don't know if I've ever heard about (laughs) that happening to anyone. That's awesome. I mean, I bet I bet it happens more often than people would like to admit. I I bet I because you know like, but I guess like I think it's more of a style thing. I think usually like you guys kind of look dumb dressing up like that, or right. And and then you get kind of embarrassed, but you don't want to admit that you're embarrassed because nobody wants to admit they're embarrassed. Nobody wants to admit that they were like. Shooken in any way, so they'll just like change it kind of clandestinely and be, and yeah. be like, "Oh yeah, slow, slow transition." Yeah, exactly. But uh, oh, which yeah. I think is actually what we did with Mark was like a slow transition. So uh, sorry, Mark. <laughs> um, but no, you also mentioned so you're you're volunteering at the Crossroads Info Shop. What what yeah. happened at that spot? Yeah, I don't really know. I think. Um, the main dude that like owned all the materials there, funny enough, owned in an anarchist bookstore. Um, but the the main dude who like supplied the library there, um, and it decided that he would, didn't want to like deal with the collective of people that were helping run that place and pay rent there, <laughs> and pull all of his stuff out and took it back to like I think he's living with his parents and. I think I want. I don't want to badmouth another anarchist, but like, I think he's like living with his fucking parents and. Uh, Somewhere in like Shawnee or something like that. No, but like, what what kind of like events and like stuff happened at the shop though? Like, oh, that's what you're asking. You're no, asking yeah, about drama. You're, oh, you're asking no, for no, like, no. okay, you want to edit that out? That's fucking nah, bad. We'll keep that. that, that oh my god, <laughs> I sound like a like toxic vampire. Just like, oh, no, I'm sorry. I, that's not how I meant to phrase it. I guess. Well, there no. was like a there was oh, yeah. there was some good shows there. I'm pretty sure I saw. Like, so, so it was it was like out of a house or like a storefront. It or? was at a, it was a, a storefront at 31st and Truist. Mm. You know, where like all those like uh, it used to be way back in the day in the like 1920s, 30s. It was known as Millionaire's Row, but it's like and where there's all like the fucking jewelry stores and shit, and all the rich people shopped in town. But it's now like a, there's like a Truist Max bus stop there, and like it's like a, yeah. mostly abandoned retail just there in that block. Between 31st and Linwood, mm. but, but I, I think they are kind of like revitalizing it. Yeah, now. I'm sure it'll end up being like a bunch of like boot, like boutique shops and stuff like that. I mean, I don't care. Yeah. Good, good job for capitalism. Hooray, whatever. Um, but I mean, at least the the retail stuff will get some use. But mm. I don't know. It'll be it'll be boring, and I won't ever go there. Yeah, but, so it was like a little bookstore zine shop. Yeah, it was a, it was a, it was shows. a lending library. It was an it was an info shop. So it had like all the aspects of like you could check something out and bring it back. You could also buy like a brand new book of of you know work. Um, so it, it was it was good. It was and it was like in a kind of a complex with that was that used to be a mall in the back of it, even though most of it was decaying. But they had a lot of room to like use stuff, and there was like a lot of grandiose plans of what they were going to do with it. Like turns a lot of the rooms into workshops, so there would be like that element to it where people could come in and like work on things and like you know basically just be, build a sustainable community out of there. Mm. And it just it just never came about, unfortunately. But yeah, there was there's some good shows there. I'm pretty sure. There was like a No Master show. It was either No Master or uh, what was it? Nick Allred had a band that I'm pretty sure that Suck played. Dry? It was Suck Dry. Suck, it was either No Master or Suck Dry played there. And then like the fire marshal came and shut it down. And um, yeah, that was really fucking weird. And there, because after that point, it became kind of obvious that the city wasn't going to let like anarchists and punks kind of like coalesce in a space together so uh, yeah i don't know but that yeah the it was a good info shop when it lasted mm. kind it, of how long would you say it ran like way before i was in kansas city it's got to have been around because people had talked about it because it used to be actually in the crossroads which is why it had that name mm-hmm. and i think it had been around since i'm gonna throw out an arbitrary number date here but i'm, I'm probably close i want to say 2005 mm-hmm. maybe 2004 2005 
and then closed around 2010 or 11. So that's, I feel like that's still a pretty solid run yeah, for, for an like, info shop. A DIY yeah. Spot, yeah. Yeah. Or yeah, any kind of DIY spot that's impressive. Cause you know, when you don't have like cash flow coming in and you got to pay rent, that's really fucking impressive. So, yeah. uh, so yeah. And around the time that you were playing in demon horse, you also started your project all blood. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now that kind of just started off as like home recordings that yeah. you were doing. Yeah. I was, um, Started off with a four track, like a really crappy Tascom, and just like had all these songs that I was, I'd been working on. Actually, no, the first tape was on Dan Ohm's laptop. I oh. recorded it on his laptop and then just made a tape for this tour I did when I went to the West Coast with my friends in this like like folk band thing called Your Yellow Dress. Um, like, you know, tweed, cheesy kind of stuff, but uh, I love them, but yeah, it was cheesy. But <laughs> I went to the West Coast with them and played some songs and stuff, and then had that tape, and then after that, it just became yeah, a home recording, bedroom recording thing, where I was trying to make pretentious concept albums about the apocalypse and stuff like that. So, <laughs> yeah, um, and and then it turned into kind of a full band. Yeah, after a little bit. Yeah, because I I had tried to make it into a full band a few times. Uh, there was a one time where I had Megan Carson playing drums, and uh, Colleen O'Donnell was like playing synth. Or just like a key, like a Casio keyboard, mm. but they weren't really like. I don't think they really were into it that much, and I I was not really like motivated to make a live band aspect. But then over time, like Zach, I was I ended up living with Zach in like 2012, and then we started like slowly kind of making music together and getting that feel down. And then we met uh, Zach Campbell. Well, or how the hell we met Zach Campbell? Someone I feel like introduced us to him. But I can't remember who it was. I want to say somehow it was through Dan Ohm knowing uh, the dudes from Fag Cop, uh, Kenneth and Nate, and them somehow suggesting Zach Campbell to us. But that seems sure. Why not? I was drinking a lot at that time. Um, But we ended up meeting with him and then practicing and taking some of the songs that I'd recorded before in the bedroom setting and playing them live. And then they started uh, contributing their own songs. Um, and then we also had this dude, Justin, that was playing with us. And then, yeah, it became like a full four-piece band with everybody contributing songs. It was pretty great, actually. That would, band would have been good. Hmm. And I think I remember, I think it was the only time I actually saw you guys, though, was when you were opening for Nancy. And I think it was oh, Nancy yeah. and Sheer Mag yeah. at the Dollhouse it, at the time. It wasn't Sheer Mag. It was Nancy. And then it was like a hardcore band that like somebody in Nancy... I think was related to or something like that, or maybe someone was joking about that. But uh, yeah, it was some band from a hardcore band from Chicago, but I can't remember who they were, what they were called. Um, oh, uh, Thumbsuckers. Yep, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, that was and a I good think, show. Uh, Wayne Payne and the Shit Stains. Yeah, played. Yeah, that was, that was in full like, in full garb. No, that was tight. And they had like a little like coffin thing that Kenneth came in on yeah. it, right? Or yeah. he was in it, and then he came out of the fucking box when they yeah, and they like. <laughs> People were like rolling it across the basement too. Yeah, like, have wheels on it. Like yeah. that, was, that was pretty impressive. Yeah, that was that that's was, great that was showmanship. I, I always wish I could like pull that kind of like showmanship <laughs> out for a show because that's so good. No, I think that was the only time I saw that band and All Blood. Yeah, that was that was a fun show. Was that the last All Blood? Show, no, or? our last show was in that October of that year. Mm. We got back from a tour and things were kind of stressful. And then because I'd already like had enough of that Justin dude because he's a piece of shit. Like he would regularly, regularly, like he would regularly like say racial slurs because he thought he was being edgy and funny. That's not fun. No, and uh, he was also just like an abusive prick to his girlfriend and an alcoholic and just a terrible human being. And not trying to like justify what I did, but like on our last show, he like was already complaining about the fact that we were going to play last because I was like, we need to go last so that the touring band people stay for the touring band because a lot of people were there for us because at that point we were kind of at a little bit of a peak. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was all against it. So we ended up playing, and he kind of just was slopping through the set. And, and I felt like he was just doing it intentionally as a jab, and I, like, fucking lost it and started beating him on the head with the headstock of my guitar and then, like, stomping him when he was on the ground. So not not the greatest situation. Um, I was definitely on a lot of speed when that happened, too. So 
Um, but I also don't really regret it because I hate that motherfucker with a passion. So if you're watching this, Justin, which I doubt you will because you're not really capable of getting outside of your own asshole, um, fuck you. That's, <laughs> there you go. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to do that on no, camera. Yeah, that's, so. We're all about giving a platform <laughs> to people who want to uh, rekindle fights from yeah, the shit. <laughs> God damn. Uh, that's, that's rock and roll for you. Yeah, though. it is that's a lot so of rivalries and and uh, pettiness, unfortunately, sometimes. But there's mm. it's good. And uh, briefly, I want to touch on you. You also spent a little time in Lazy and the yeah. Conquerors. Also, yeah, yeah. the Conquerors thing was um, um, really short lived. I was like kind of doing like a, playing a little bit of like secondary guitar and doing drums. This is at the very beginning of Con- beginning of Conquerors when Rory went from wrong crowd and decided he wanted to do a little bit more of like a psychedelic thing. Mm-hmm. So we started jamming in that house 3911 Central uh, in the basement. It was like him and Mikey Pruitt and uh, Pat Rocha was in the band playing synth. I mean, it was like a completely different thing from what the Conquerors are now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, the first first iteration of Conquerors was in that, and then Lazy. I I played bass um, for a tour that they did, going to the Northeast and back, mm. like a two week tour up to New York City and back. Um, but I was like never on any recordings or anything mm. like that. And that's always like Lazy. Kind of seems like they do just kind of have like a constantly rotating lineup too. Yeah, it but was the, basically just Brock Brock and his songs. Yeah, but the it um, like. I feel like I'd seen Lazy, like, a few years ago, and I was like, yeah, this is pretty cool. But then I saw them, like, one or two years ago, and I'm like, whoa, this is way different, and I like this more. Yeah, they got really good. They started getting really good and really tight. They they haven't been playing as much lately. They don't don't really exist anymore. Yeah, that's a bummer. Yeah, Brock doesn't live in Kansas City. He lives Uh, um, somewhere in Kansas, I think, wherever his dad's at. Um that's a whole thing I definitely will not get into on this podcast because that is not my per- that's not my thing. So that's all right. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, yeah. So and most recently, you're you, you, well. You started a band called Little Tuffies yeah. a year or two ago, and uh, that slowly turned into what we know as Salty. Yeah. Uh, what? But uh, the first Little Tuffies recordings that was all you. Uh, actually, right? no. Or, that it, no? it was the band. Um, so it was uh, basically Zach and I decided we were Zach Turner, the synth player, and I decided that we were gonna like kind of try to continue what we had going with All Blood, albeit it was just like me doing the songwriting. Mm-hmm. Or I guess maybe I just decided it with my ego. I don't know because uh, I, I, I wanted to get back in the game, and I because I, you know immediately after All Blood. Zach and Justin started doing stuff with Wet Ones, and Zach was getting active again with Rooftop Vigilantes and stuff, and I was like, nobody wants to play music with me because I just beat up someone I was in a band with. So uh, I was desperate to get something going. So we got together, and we're like, well, if we can't find a drummer, let's just use a drum machine. We programmed some beats into a drum machine, and then just, just, just Zach and I and a drum machine. Then we realized, oh, we need kind of a bass sound, so we got uh, Andrew Erdrich, Oh God! I hope I'm not saying his name wrong. I'm sorry, dude, if I am. Um, I, um, he played like baritone guitar on it for the bass sound, and that's kind of it was that situation. And then we did a tour in like March of 2016 with that setup with the drum machine. And it was a fucking disaster, and we realized that if we wanted to make the song sound good and kind of get it to be a real band that people would take seriously, we had to actually get a real drummer. And I was working at. I'm just going to tell you the whole story because it's fun. Yeah. Uh, I was I was working at food that vegan restaurant on the west side, and uh, this dude Ethan Eckert was working there, and uh, just had just started working there. I was working and was uh, doing dishes and stuff. And Sam and and uh, Ethan's girlfriend Audrey kind of like suggested that I give him a chance to try playing drums with us. And I did, and it was, like, immediate, just, like, he's the he's the fucking dude. Because he, like, not only just, like, heard this, the little Tuffy songs that we had recorded and was able to, like, emulate the drum machine perfectly, which is crazy because the drum machine parts that we had programmed were fucking ridiculous. But he also was able to, like, adapt to new songs that we were working on and just had, like, a really perfect sense of rhythm. Um, you know, sometimes it, it would be a little excessive, but I loved it because of that excessiveness. So, and then after um, some some complications, I had to kick Andrew out. Um, 
we got another bass player, Jess. Uh, Jess. Well, he goes by Jess Hub, but I don't, he's got his not snobbers with his real last name. But he's like a really talented bass player. So now we've got this four piece where it's Zach Turner playing uh, synth and Jess Lay playing uh, bass and Ethan playing drums and me playing guitar and singing. And uh, it's just perfect. It's what I've I've wanted for a long time. It's good. Mm-hmm. Um, and so back when you were writing the first like little Tuffy songs and everything, yeah. um, was your songwriting process like this kind of the same as it was back with All Blood? Yeah. Or did you switch things up? It's always been the same. I'll fuck around on a guitar for a while and try to write a riff or two, and just maybe if I have a, a two disparate riffs, I'll try to like connect them in some way. Um, <coughs> but I'll usually just work until just hack away at my guitar until I get a, like a, a melody out of it. And then I'll just like start thinking of the different elements. Like what does the riff make me think of? Um, what like thematically, like how can I write some lyrics around it? How would I do the lyrics rhythmically with the melody, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. And then just like start putting those different elements together until I have a song. I write it basically the way I've, I've written songs since I've made folk music. Like that part of it hasn't really changed a lot. Now the difference is like, um, you know, tone mm-hmm. and, and just like technicalities change a lot. And especially now that we're like recording in a studio, there's so much stuff that we're, we're doing right now that I've never tried before. So basically the songwriting never stops. <laughs> the songwriting goes into the studio and then I'm, I'm with overdubs and everything. Like it's continuing there when, when new ideas pop up, I'm just adding to the song, you know, or we're adding the song cause I'm not the only one coming with ideas. You know, everyone in the band is coming up with ideas to add to it. So um, but yeah, that's basically the process. It's just, a, it's constant until we finally get to the point where we're just like, all right, this song is done either recorded or in rehearsal. We were just like, or in practice, we're just like, this is, this is it. This is the song. This is how it's going to sound. And it takes like a few months. Like it's never like immediate, but you know, it gets there. Hmm. So, yeah. So it's, it's a little different. I feel like from like the regular bands, yeah. punk, or at least like punk DIY bands, like recording well, process. Yeah, those like, bands will tr- can turn them out. Like wet ones is a good example. Like they got off the, r- the ground running, which is why I felt so kind of like insecure and a little bit resentful about it at the time is like, they just, they, they went in with like that old school rock and roll approach where it's just like, you know, fuck it all. Just like, Play the riff, play a riff and just make a song. Yeah, and then they play another they riff pounded out song. like twenty songs, yeah. like real quick. Yeah, and they're all and the thing too is they're all really good fucking songs. They're all rippers, and that's like uh, you know I just don't have I don't my mind just doesn't work that way. I don't I don't operate that way. I'm I'm very OCD kind of in that in re- well kind of I don't know I don't know. Well, I, I feel like in, in like like. As a result, though, like your songs can be a little more like complex and yeah, thoughtful than songs you just pound out. Like you know, they're both great for different reasons. But yeah, yeah. I'm always worried that it just it does get a little convoluted because I think like sometimes when the message is a little bit more simple, it it reaches people a little bit better. Hmm. And that's been kind of a thing I've wanted to do is just pull back a bit and not be so grandiose about things. But I'm also just like. I, I like, you know, like the rejection, the punk rejection of like a lot of the grandiose stuff from 70s rock. And that's like kind of the origin of punk rock is that I actually like a lot of that grandiose shit. You know, I like a lot of that prog rock. I like a lot of the, the beginning rush. Rock. I, I, I'm not a big rush fan. <laughs> yeah. And my, the, my drummer and in, in the, the drummer and bass player in Salty like that band. I, I you know, it's just cheap. That shit's cheesy. To me. What, what, what are the big 70s bands that you like? I like, you know, I like Yes and I like, and I like King Crimson and mm. I like, I do like Queen and I like, uh, I like all the Brian Eno stuff and Roxy music. And you, you channel a little like Freddie Mercury sometimes. I wish I could salty. fucking have that kind of range. There's no goddamn way. <laughs> that, that shit is, a, that shit's insane. I mean, I've tried to like, I tried to sing Queen songs at karaoke before, to like, <laughs> to, but it's like, it's always a, sh- a shit show. So, um, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, like all the, there's a lot of that stuff that's just like, I mean, even like Foreigner, I fucking, I'll listen to that and enjoy it. I don't yeah. care. I have no qualms with that stuff anymore. I, I, I think at a certain at a certain time, in a certain historical context, that stuff had to be rejected because it was just, it was yeah. just, it was straying away from the countercultural yeah, you can't, aspect. you can't let it go too far. Right? right. It did become just like ego stroking and it's just like, and yeah, some of the prog rock just, just like gets to the point where it's just like, okay, we get the point. You can write technically 
you know, complex songs, but it's just masturbatory after a while. Yeah. And so the, I, I like the, I want the middle ground between the two. Mm-hmm. I want, I want a riff that, that has a repetition to it that when you listen to it, you can hear the repetition to it and you can connect with it on like a human level on like an, on an emotional level. Mm-hmm. But you also are just like, Whoa, what the fuck did they do there? You know what I mean? Yeah. I want, I want both. I don't want to just, I don't want I don't want to be like painted into a corner as you know, being, this is my, specific sound and this is how we're going to like market our brand to people and that's how everyone's going to know what salty is salty is uh they're fitting in with this scene and this network of of bands and whatever which i'm not like trying to judge the way the music is done nowadays because it's a lot more difficult as the music industry has been like kind of um what's the word i'm looking for here i guess like the means to music has become more um proliferated you know like it's so that everyone there's like so many bands now so like the way to like kind of get some kind of success or like some momentum is to like clump together in networks and stuff like that. But I feel like you get a little too, um, it gets a little paint by numbers at a certain point and I just want to avoid that. And I'm not trying to like say that I'm like super special and I like everything I touch is gold, but you know, that's just my, my goal is that. So whatever. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, I did want to ask you like, um, so it, when you started this group, it was called Little Tuffies, yeah. and then you ended up switching it to Salty. Is that okay. just because the the member switches, or was it primarily just, a, you want a different name? There is a band in, in Lawrence called Tuffies. No, there is, but I was really excited. <laughs> I was excited that there were two bands with Tuffies in the name, because I'm like, oh, they could play with each other, and like, I, it could be like a fight. It could be like a, a fun thing like I, that. I really regret changing the name to Salty, because yeah. Little Tuffies is, kind, is funny. <clears throat> like, Little Tuffies is, is so much goofier and and definitely fits the idea a little bit more because I was trying to make fun of like that wet one stuff. I was trying to make fun of the Wayne Payne, the shit stain stuff and the phantom head stuff and the fucking chasm stuff and all that, you know, the tough bands in Kansas city or even like all the hardcore stuff, you know, mm-hmm. I wanted to make fun of like the, just machismo of it all of the, the aggression. Cause I, it just always felt kind of like it came from a little bit of like a, contrived place so i was just like all right sure little toughies are all just a bunch of little toughies and i wanted to fucking go off of that but then like you know the band in lawrence was was just kind of like i try to like go out on some like you know p- button pushing with them and try to piss them off because i'm also just like a fucking i don't know what is my problem <laughs> uh and and it didn't go well and i realized that it wasn't going to go anywhere good and i was just going to like let them have their thing and i couldn't find any new bands around here called salty and at first, when I looked online, I was like, all right, this is good. And I thought it was kind of funny, like, in the same vein as, like, Lazy or something like that. Mm. You know, taking, like, a, 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 a an adjective, adjective of the time. Yeah, an adjective of the time. And, like, it's almost like if we were a band in the 60s calling ourselves groovy or something like that. Yeah. It just, like, and then making it a band. It's it's so, like, temporary that it's it's already going to be, like, anachronistic in, in, like, three fucking years or something. So... I, I, I enjoy that. I, I thought that was funny at the time, but now I'm just like, what the fuck was I thinking? Salty is like the worst name. For no, no, a band. okay, no, this, <laughs> no. I, I think it's it's grown with time though, because yeah. At first, I was like, Little Tuffies is such a cool, like it's just generally a cooler name. Yeah. But but now, like over the last like several months, I would even say I've warmed up to Salty because awesome. no, just because I'm like, a salty person. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm feeling a little salty too. Yeah. No, but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, just because it gives you guys more, I, th- I think it op- like there's more of a an opening for it to have like its own personality yeah. and like its own like because you have the ha- like the fry cook hats yeah. Yeah. like for the merch and like it you know it yeah there's opens. a lot more stuff to work with like yeah. I feel like Little Toffee's like it's a, it's a more fun theme yeah yeah and I I love I love theme bands I love I love 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 them like that band the Wad or or what is it Wad or the Wad I don't know if there's there's a the in it or not who cares mm-hmm. but where the dude like is in a fucking like full on. The balloon suit. Thing? Yeah, but it's like uh, I, I thought it, I thought it was like paper mache. Like the videos I've watched, it looks mm. like he just made a fucking paper mache. Oh, maybe thing. it's something different. Have you have you seen this band or heard uh, them? I feel like I have seen a band called. Oh, um, but maybe it's a different. One of one of one of Ian Teeple's bands played with them, and that's like where my introduction to them came from. But it, like I watched the video that they played at the Pin Valley Skate Park, mm. and it, and it was so funny just like seeing somebody in like this like it wasn't even a costume; it was like armor. Mm. It, was, it was like a building that he was inside that looked like a wad of like trash or whatever or goo, and with the other, rest of the band around him while people were skating around, and he was just like singing these songs in this like high pitched frantic manner and it was just 
that's band. That's the kind of bands I like. Bands that have like a f- like the full thing going on, not just like the music, but like they have like a theme and like. I mean, okay, hold up a second, because I'm contradicting what I said earlier. Because that's totally paint by numbers too. Um, forget it. Never mind. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I it's. I, I do what, like. What other fun theme bands do you, can you think of? Uh, Devo. <laughs> yeah. I like Devo. I do fucking love Devo. I it's uh, probably a, like a, a big influence on Salty. I, it is a huge influence, and I'm sure it's fucking obvious to anyone that hears us that that Devo is like a big influence. I mean, I. I didn't start listening to them until 2010, 2011, when I was living at the Central House, and then, like, really just, like, fell in love with the band. Because, like, before that, I was like, oh, New Wave is cheesy. Because I thought that's what I was supposed to think. Uh, you know, you, sometimes you get into a point in your life where you're, like, you, you think things that you're supposed to think or whatever. Yeah. But I started listening to it when I stopped caring, and I was like, this band is amazing. And it kind of, like, says all the things that I feel about humanity in general so yeah i love the way they sound and everything so yeah devo's good uh other good themed bands let's see um i mean yeah Arabon raider was a good one well that was kind of actually a little offensive because they started off like with right by acting like they had mental disabilities which Ooh. nowadays in the two yeah nowadays <laughs> in the in the 2010s and especially now is not not fucking cool and not okay so I think at the time it was like considered edgier or something. Mm. I think we're like kind of moving away as a society from the idea that edginess is like somehow subversive and as opposed to just like not uh, being a dick. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, now it just, now like that kind of like idea of like being edgy, the reason it's not subversive anymore is because it just kind of props up the institutions that. I'd already in power. There's nothing subversive about propping up that shit. That's like the, so that's just that. Yeah. Anyways. And probably more importantly, it's just kind of played out. Like yeah, it is. Just... It's so fucking played out. It's so fucking played out. And I, um, I'm, I'm done with it, but they, it, it worked well for them, I guess. Man, I don't know. Theme bands. There's not a lot of people that pull it off. Well, unfortunately, yeah. if I had more time to think about it, I could mm-hmm. definitely think of ones that I like. Yeah. But what else do you think has, um, inspired your, your songwriting? Um, Hmm. Or, or at least, or even like going back on like All Blood or any of those bands. Um. Oh fuck! Well, with All Blood, there was also a lot of like the influence from the folk days. Like I, I've always been like a fan of like music from the Northwest, or, like Olympia stuff. Like the, I or I wouldn't even say Olympia, but I was always like kind of like a big Microphones, Mount Erie fan. So like some of that wimpier, softer kind of indie pop, indie rock stuff. Um, yeah, I really liked Mount Erie for a long time. I still will occasionally listen to it. Mm. But that definitely had an influence on some of the songwriting where it's a little, a little more melodramatic. Is other like new wave stuff important oh, yeah. to you or just Devo? Yeah, I like I like the units a lot. A lot of the synth punk stuff. I mean, the Screamers are definitely a fucking influence. Mm. Uh, um, there's so much Screamers, like demo stuff to go through though i haven't even like gone through all of it but i, yeah. I love in, in addition to like hardcore devo and, yeah yeah, they, they yeah. Have their own yeah they have their own like giant library of demos it's kind of it's impressive it's daunting um but yeah that, those all the synth punk bands and there's like some like uh man i'm so bad at like pulling them up on on the spot like this because i'm not i don't no, know I, right. when i when i ended up listening to a band it's because i'm like it pops into my brain, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I want to listen to that now. Mm. I almost forgot about that band because I don't have, like, physical copies of anything anymore. I sold off most of my stuff to, uh, you know, support my drug habits and uh, my whoring and everything, so it's been kind of rough. Um, anyways, just kidding. <laughs> uh, that was so fucking stupid. Uh, <laughs> um, no, but, uh, okay, just to, we can move on. Yeah. That. No, but... Uh, <laughs> Oh. Uh, but wh- where do you, um, wh- like, would you say that uh, Salty's music has really evolved since, like, the Little Taffy tracks, then yeah. Pre- Preservation Blues, which is the album from last year, yeah, and then on to the new album? Oh, like, yeah. Where would you say stuff has moved since then? It's a lot more, um, it's a lot more refined. Uh, I think a lot of that has to do with um, Ethan and Jess just being insanely good musicians they're like where zach and i are more like songwriters they're more like musicians like a musician's musician Mm. and they just have like that um that ability to just drive a song in a way that wasn't the case before 
I guess it's good to have like a 50-50 split. Yeah, on it that. is. Yeah. It's kind of weird sometimes cuz like they do have like almost wildly different tastes. I mean, we're definitely we're all we all like rock and roll. It's just like we all like different types of rock and roll. Mm. And but I think that brings a lot more like diversity to the sound, so to the sound, so I I I'm okay with that. Mm. But there is like some weird aspects to it, you know, but I like it. It's it's great. But it, we're definitely like a lot tighter now. We've gone on too many tours this year. And it's, like, made us a lot tighter. And um, I just think we have a better feel for each other. It's hard to explain, but there's, like, this kind of, like, connection that you end up building with people when you play music with them long enough where you can kind of just read them. You kind of read their body language and shit and, like, can kind of predict where they're going with, with their music and or what they're going to play, if they're, whatever part they're going to add to the song. And it becomes kind of this, this give and take. And we've gotten it down, not to science yet, but definitely close. So it's it's definitely better. The stuff we're doing in the studio right now is f- <laughs> some some fire. It's uh, it is it is very delicious. It's very <laughs> it's very fucking delicious. Savory. I, it is some it's some savory. Just a just a, a light touch of salt. It's not a, as salty as Preservation Blues was. It's no, little, and, it's, and it's called dry rub. It's called dry rub because dry it's rub. A, it's a mixture of spices. It's actually and it really is kind of a hodgepodge because like no, there's not like a similar similarity between every single song. It kind of jumps around a lot, but it's fucking good. I I, I mean I'm gonna say that about my own album. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, go it's a it's gonna be when it's done. It's gonna make people shit themselves. It's so fucking good in a good way, like not in like a food poisoning way. Since we're going with the food metaphors, it's not yeah, gonna, yeah. you know like in an excitement. Maybe like you're so excited to. I mean, eat. You, you shouldn't. You probably shouldn't eat the cassette. But yeah, probably avoid that because that is. <laughs> I don't think the you eat the, it with your ears. The magnet, the magnet tapes, the the tape magnet that can't be good for you, right? Yeah, I mean, that. you get all those plastic shards. Yeah. And <laughs> that's not good for anyone, you know. Mm-mm. Well, on that note. <laughs> Um, but yeah, um, I wanted to give you a moment to have a soapbox if you would like okay. so. Um, I've got so know. many things to say. No, yeah, time. you're, I, <laughs> just, I'll just go off, JB, like, no, uh, <laughs> what, what, what do you, like, you, you know, you're very outspoken on Facebook yeah. about, like, Kansas City music and, yeah. all, and DIY scene and all that. So what has been on your mind regarding that lately? Is there anything you want to talk about? I think there's a lot of manufactured... Okay. Oh, God, here we go. Strap on This is, is going to get me into so much fucking hot water, I'm sure, but I, you know... You, you, don't say any, anything you don't want to. <laughs> yeah. I, I think there's, there is a lot of, like, manufactured disappointment with, with the city, um, I think a lot of it is like people feeling like they need to like repeat the same formulas of what uh, punk has rallied against before in the past instead of like kind of coming to their own like you know coming to terms or the grips with their own destiny. Kansas City is not fucking New York in in the 70s. <laughs> it's in it, you know or or LA in the early 80s or anything like that. It's not the same fucking thing, but everyone kind of like is like trying to make it is trying to like build that world and I get it, but that shit drives me fucking nuts. We're like a whole different fucking ball game. It's a whole different historical situation. It's a whole different, um, scene. It's a whole different like aesthetic sound. Like just, we should just be our own thing and be happy with it instead of like trying to repeat stuff before. Cause it just, it, I just feel like a lot of people just buy into these identities instead of like trying to build their own. And then it's kind of weak. It's like, in weird. what regards would you say that we're trying to mirror, like, L.A. or New York? <laughs> um, like, just sound-wise? Sound-wise, sound but I also think, like, kind of fashion-wise, too. Mm. And I know that's kind of superficial and petty to pull that out. And as, as I wear a fucking jean jacket, like, I'm just, like, right out of a fucking Urban Outfitters ad. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm, I mean when I say these criticisms, a lot of the times I'm saying it about myself, too. Because, like, I'm not just, like, trying to, like, outwardly put this on ever, other people. Like, I feel like I do the same fucking thing too. Like, you know, like I said, like I've been listening to a lot of music from the seventies and eighties and I, I definitely like pick from them and pull from them. But I think there's a difference. I I think we need to like focus more on like synthesizing our own thing instead of just being like, you know, there's like this kind of myth that we're at the end of music, you know, everything that has been done, that can be done has been done, you know, that there's like a limitation to music and then like, you know, to an extent there's like a parameter of like, frequency of sound that you can hear so yeah there is like technically a finite amount of 
types of music, but like there's n- no one even like, is, oh God, I'm just going to sound like a pretentious asshole and I'm not trying to, <laughs> but like, I mean, like it, there's so much to do that there's so much we can do that I feel like we just are painting ourselves into a corner and I think it's stupid. I also think that there's a lot of like uh, passive, aggr- passive aggression and that is also something I, I engage in. So it's also partly my fault. Um, there's a lot of passive aggression, I think from different like, co- like corners of the scene. And, um, I don't think we're ever going to build anything good here until we stop like bitching and moaning about Kansas city and like start actually like just doing shit, which I think people are doing. I mean, I see a lot of people are being a lot more active than they were before. Cause like five years ago, it was nothing but just people complaining and like, in like making really great bands, but never having any longevity to them. Cause they would just sabotage it after a while. Cause it was just like, it was easier to just play into the whole, everything is fucking doomed and I don't want to give a shit anymore. And then just start it all over again. Mm. And I think we're finally getting to a part where we point, point where we can kind of cross that threshold and just, keep our projects going and kind of keep some longevity to it. But yeah, that's another thing. And then uh, I don't know. I think there just needs to be more. I wish it was like a gathering place or like somewhere like a, a physical location that didn't have to do with like consuming something that you could get fucked up on or whatever that we could like get together and like, talk about shit hmm. like a public forum that's not so, so like a place like the info shop you think yeah that'll be, be i mean and, but, but even more, even better like something that didn't even have a political connotation to it hmm. because i feel like even then like when you do that you frame it within a specific kind of dialogue and and then you you're, you're basically limiting you're reducing what you can talk about to anarchism you know yeah. it, as and, and i i think just the same way that if you go to a bar you're reducing it to getting drunk you know and and or going to playing at a record store going to record stores is like buying records it's like there needs to be something that's such a blank place like a plaza like a not like the plaza but like a like a plaza or like a uh, like an amphitheater i don't fucking know Mm. like i don't know there's like public spaces in in other countries and even in their places in the united states that i don't think that we just don't have in kansas city because it's it almost feels like everything is like kind of cellular in a way. Like we just have like little spots that we go to, we drive to in our car, we drive to the shopping centers or the entertainment districts or the, you know, the residential areas or whatever. Cause it's all so zoned like that, like zoned so specifically. Um, are, are there any like cities or like venues or areas that you are thinking of when you No, I'm, I, that's the problem. I, I can't really think of like a specific example. It's more of just like a, not, vague not idea. like a, like a Gilman street or like, Oh, you mean here? Well, no, no, no. Like places that you would want to mirror. That's like. yeah. See, that's the thing. I don't. I don't really know. I. It's. I. I feel like I've heard of examples, and that's why I've got the idea in the back of my head, but I can't like cite it now. Mm-hmm. Um, but you'd want like to be able to have shows somewhere. Yeah. But also like see, not be selling stuff or like. I think yeah. I think it would be cool to just have a DIY space. I think like what Awful House is doing is great mm. because but oh, but see it's still like a living spot. So people live there. So it still has it's still within that context and it's still within the like the politics of the people who live there. It'd be cool if there was like a place that was just not even rented but just bought and owned, and this is like a total pipe fantasy thing. But it was just bought and owned big giant space. Nobody lives there. Nobody's like necessarily connected to it so much. Like everyone just like volunteers. Like there's like a rotating cast of volunteers or whatever. So there's not like a power. There's like a, po- a constant power vacuum. There's nobody that, who's like just leading it with their fucking ego. And it, it is a place where people can go to do multiple things. They can go there to to work on projects to like, present like things. Visual to art, yeah, music, anything, workshop stuff. And I, I I think everything here just gets like. Um, it, it just gets kind of forced through the meat grinder of like whatever, like the, the the venue that stuff ends up at. Yes, like ends up yes. having too much of an influence. Yes. on what's happening? Because it has to. Because if, if you're dependent on the on that resource, like you're gonna you're gonna bend to the will of whatever those people want from you, and I don't th- I don't think that's conducive to you know building good art or free art, you know, and I and that's something I think Kansas city really needs. And I think it's something that would also improve our ability to communicate with each other and have better dialogue and have a better scene and probably a stronger scene that most cities have. And I mean, I don't know how to go about that unless one of us wins the fucking lottery and can buy a, a warehouse in the West bottoms or something, you know, I mean, it would be, it would probably take something like that. 
or you know a long like period of just saving up money and like yeah. trying yeah. to like a really big GoFundMe. Yeah, yeah, in the millions. Because I mean, because now that Kansas City has become popular with real estate agents or real est- realtors who want to like fucking funnel their money from the coasts into this tax haven here, the chances of us uh, being able to buy a property when the market's like this is not good, unfortunately. Yeah. So, so, is there any uh, city politics that you want to touch on or? I, I I do want to kind of clarify my my position on some of this stuff because like I do like kind of jump back and forth between like supporting urbanist stuff and like anarchist stuff and I know that seems like completely like contradictory things. Mm. Um, I do think there is an, it's important for us to get more people into this city and I do think it's more it, it's important because we need to think about the fact that we have infrastructure that's crumbling, not just buildings that have been sitting in disrepair for so long. Um, but also like sewage lines and streets and uh, the electric grid and all this stuff that without us getting a like net positive growth of population, we won't be able to afford paying for. Mm. I mean, it's the shit that's happening in Detroit is like the population just dumps out of the urban core. And basically what happened to Kansas City between the 60s and the, and the 90s with white flight, where like all this divestment happened and all the money left and everything fucking crumbled. We need to like kind of, ha- I, I think we need to have as long as we're stuck with capitalism at the moment, that you know, <laughs> as long as we're like kind of stuck, like you know, bending to the will of the markets, I feel like we should have a little bit of gentrification and be okay with it because we need to fucking get people back into the city. But I also think like a lot of like the tax increment financing stuff is a complete joke. Giving subsidies to rich people who. If the market if the market demand is there, then they can pay the full fucking cost. They they shouldn't be diverting because that's the whole point. If we're getting people in to help the tax coffers of the city, then why are we like diverting some of that money for the next 10, 15 years? We need it now. We need yeah. that money now for the infrastructure. Be offering Amazon and other no giant companies absolutely yeah, not subsidies and whatnot. And I and then the whole argument, oh, where they're going to make jobs? Well, it's like, well, yeah, but they're going to bring those jobs from other places. It's not going to be Kansas Cityans who are getting the jobs. We don't even have the we don't have the population of of people with bachelors and and uh, master's degrees in, in you know tech in tech service sectors to like fill those jobs necessarily. I mean, granted, they'll definitely hire locals from people who went to like the universities and stuff around here. But even then, it's not people that need the jobs. And and the problem is the people that need the jobs in the parts of our, our community that need to have a better financial standing. They need a better education, and we don't even have that. And if we're deferring money to our education system, then they're never going to get the upward mobility and we're just going to stay a stratified city, economically stratified, socially stratified, and racially stratified, and it's a fucking mess. And so, yeah, that's a that's something I think is a, is a huge problem. So, like, I support things like expanding the transportation infrastructure. I think we should expand the streetcar. I think we should get better bus service. I think we should definitely make it easier to get around the city and, and be connected. And at some point, like, free transportation. Yeah, and, like and that's something that they've talked about, like, because I... Yeah, I talked. Like, I, I talked to. We're a not making money on the streetcar. No, or we lo- buses. We're losing we we lose money anyway. Fare so. collection loses money, yeah. and that's why they made the downtown streetcar free. Is because fare collection costs more money. Because at the end of the day, you got to take all that money out of the boxes that are on the buses, and that costs more labor costs. And then you got to keep doing maintenance, repair on the f- fare boxes and stuff like that. Mm. So they they've realized it actually is a net loss. So a lot of people, from what I've heard, like in KCATA, they've been talking about making a, the whole system, and not just like in the urban core, but like even like the commuter buses and stuff, like yeah. f- completely free, which would be revolutionary because you don't have that in any other city in the United States. So hopefully that happens, but um, we'll see. That's that's the kind of stuff I do think coming yeah. from the top down is is good, but there's also a lot of like crony crap going on that's pretty obvious yeah. if sly james does want to make this a world-class city one yeah. easy way to do that probably yeah would be you know free public transportation. yeah let but. people get around and let and and improve the system so that people can get around realistically because the thing is like these systems can be paid for with tax money that you know it, it can come from the amazons and you know tech startups and stuff who have the means to do it now I'm sure that part of the community would f- throw a fucking hissy fit because they always throw a hissy. I think mean, Brookside always throws a hissy fit when even anyone talks about building a bus miles away from them. So you know, there's there's so much yeah. just just as there is in the scene. There's so much like fractured aspects to the city as a whole and mm-hmm. the whole culture here. And I think that's something that'll always kind of be a problem. But yeah. yeah.
So next week on the Shuttlecock Politics Podcast. <laughs> oh, I'm just fuck. joking. No, but that was, no, I always like hearing, you know, pe- different people's takes on, you know, local government and whatnot. So cool. Appreciate that. Yeah. No uh, but I think that's all I wanted to get to. So yeah, I feel squeezed um, out like a pastry bag. So oh, I don't know if I got any more. It's <laughs> uh, <laughs> <that> appetizing. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, yeah, people can visit uh, shuttlecockmusic.com and there's a web store on there if you want to get a t shirt or a button. It's a good way to support the podcast and the website. Uh, you can follow at shuttlecockmag on Twitter, and Instagram, Facebook. Uh, we're part of the ADD podcast family. And JB, where can people find you and Salty on the internet? Um, we have a bandcamp at saltykcmo.bandcamp.com. Uh, we also have a Spotify. If you go to Salty, you'll uh, you'll get some extra results. Um, don't go to any of the other ones because they all suck. Just go to the one that's like a picture, little sideways, and four dudes kind of pointing sideways. Um, all Blood is at allblood.bandcamp.com, and I, I think you can find the Demon Horse stuff on the XO Press Bandcamp. Hmm. So a lot of Bandcamp stuff. Uh, yeah. So awesome. Well, thanks for uh, hanging out on yeah. the podcast. This My week. pleasure. This is fun. Cool. Thank you. Let's let's shake hands on camera. Mm. <laughs> that that'll be the gift. That'll yes. be the gift. Fuck yes.